Hey, this reminds me uh, a lot of when uh, mom and dad first started this church. It was, uh, our family consisted of the majority of the people that would show up. So, um, but guys, we want to welcome everybody that's viewing at home. Um, there's my click. And, and uh, I, I've seen a ton of memes uh, about uh, the homeschooling and things going, you know, that, that are funny. A uh, good friend of mine, Sean Hill down in Atlanta, has been the king of sending out memes. But one I saw the other day about homeschooling, it's been one of my favorites. It said, um, and I'm going to try to focus right here because I realize that's my, homeschooling is going well. Two sus kids suspended so far for fighting, one teacher fired for being drunk on the job. That has been my favorite so far. Uh, and here's the truth. You have to laugh uh, to get through stuff like this. You have to find humor somewhere. Um, but over the past week, uh, we've seen this COVID-19 uh, taking on a new form, uh, a life of its own. Schools shut down, government buildings shut down, entire cities shut down, even close to us, Chattanooga, uh, Sada Daisy, the Hickson areas shut down. Uh, you know, unless you just have to be out. Uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, I know for me as a pastor, uh, it's probably the most challenging time for me in, in, in being a pastor. But it, I think it's also fair to say it's one of the most challenging times in, in our nation's history. Um, you know, I've been alive a short 52 years and have never seen anything like this affect our nation like it has. Uh, our small business owners have been faced with some real challenges. Uh, you know, we've got several small businesses in our church that I encourage you to support. Uh, but they, they've uh, been faced with challenges. Those that work in the restaurant industry uh, have been faced with challenges. Uh, though, uh, we've been hit hard, factories shutting down uh, places. So we've been hit with some really challenges. Parents have been hit with some challenges, you know, have, you know, this is usually the time of year, school time, where parents get a break during the day. You know, kids go off school, they get some downtime, and now kids are staying home. Or those that are still having to work trying to find uh, somebody to watch their kids. Um, we've, we've seen kids that are normally used to getting fed at school, and that's, you know, they depend upon that. Now we're having to open up places for them to still get fed. So we've run into a lot of challenges. You know, we've got uh, some of our staff and leadership here this morning, uh, and not one person in this room or watching online has not been affected by what's going on in their country. Um, there have been some technical challenges, and there have been some adaptive challenges. Those are two different challenges. Um, a, a guy by the name, and I'm going to butcher his name, Ronald Heifetz, he, he is known in the business world, though, as a leadership guru. And he's written several things about these two different challenges, technical and adaptive. Here's what he says about technical challenges that we may face. He says, technical challenges are easy to identify. They often lead themselves to quick, pretty cut-and-dry solutions. Anybody wish COVID-19 was a technical challenge? Uh, it says uh, technical challenges require change in just one or very few places. They have solutions that can be implemented quickly. Basically, they just require you doing what you know to, to 
to do. They just require some implementing for the solution. Now, adaptive challenges, he says, on the other hand, they represent something entirely different. He says, here's what adaptive challenges are. They are difficult to identify. They are very easy to deny. Come on, have we not seen that? I've been guilty of that. Oh, God, it, it's, it's not that bad. Come on, let's, let's go. Let's hug everybody, shake that neck. Come on, get her slobber. It's, they're easy to deny. Uh, it, here's the thing about adaptive changes. Requires changes in your values, beliefs, roles, relationships, and approaches. How you, that's adaptive challenge. says this, people often resist even acknowledging that they're there. Here's the thing about adaptive challenges, and I did put the notes online uh, if you want to go there, but here's the thing about adaptive challenges, which I believe is what we're facing right now, is this. Adaptive challenges don't just require implementation. They require transformation, growth, and change. You can't just pretend this is not happening. It's happening. And so to make changes, these challenges, we, it takes more than just implementing. They require some transformation, changing the way we do things like we are today. Come on. They, they require growth and change. Uh, Heifetz says this, that at the beginning of an adaptive challenge, it can even be difficult or challenging for the community to believe that the situation will ever get better. Come on, listen to that one. Oh, man, this is the end of the world. And here, let, let, let me let me this. I hope you listen. The Bible does talk about the end of the world. And here's what I believe. I know there are people that are going to use that in the spiritual world and also in the financial world for gain. But can I tell you this? The Bible also has a whole lot of good to say about the end times, about his spirit being poured out upon flesh, about the sons and daughters dreaming, having visions. So there's not a, and we can get so caught up and say, oh, it'll never going to change us in the world, or REM. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. You know, but they are. So communities can, will say this, it'll never get better. This is our reality. Furthermore, he says, the potential and possibility for loss or failure is huge. So huge that it can make the faint of heart head back towards the safety and security of the known reality. In other words, this is their known reality. Let's settle in here. Let's settle in this position. Uh, let, me, let me give you a, an example to, to kind of help you understand uh, the difference. Technical challenge and adaptive challenge. And here, here's a difference. Example one. The workplace. Let's say your workplace moves from PCs to uh, Macs. Is that a technical or adaptive challenge? I'm, I believe they're answering, but I believe you're answering me from home. That's a technical challenge. Uh, it, it's technical. You, you work for a lawn company, or, or you buy a new lawnmower. You're used to drive, riding on a regular lawnmower. You buy a zero turn. It, that's a challenge. Is it technical or adaptive? Technical. You just got to learn how to implement the things. But now, two, you have a kid that's a good kid. You love them, but one day their hormone fairies show up. And that kid passes from childhood into adolescence. Is that a technical challenge or adaptive challenge? Adaptive. We got a, a whole new reality we're facing. Whole new world we're facing. 
And here's why I bring this up. Not just this church, but the church has faced a lot of challenges in the past. But we're still here. Church is still here. Technical challenges. This church has faced technical challenges. Um, going from just uh, sending your kids down to WB Kids, you now have to check them in. When we first came here, it was like, hey, go down there. You know where to go. Now we've changed that. Um, nursery, from just being able to go into the nursery, uh, whoever wants to and pick up any baby you want to and walk around, can't do that anymore. Technical challenges. Over the years, we've gone from old school overheads to this. Some of y'all don't remember the old school overheads. We've got to make sure it's on there right. Uh, those are technical challenges. But we've also faced adaptive challenges. The founding and senior pastor of this church died. It's adaptive. The pastor's wife, my mom, becoming the new pastor, having a stroke. Uh, the pastor's son coming in, making changes. Those are adaptive challenges. Going from one service at 10.30 to two services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. That's adaptive. New youth pastors. You know, the, that, that when they first took on the role as youth pastors, they could have qualified as youth themselves. Those are adaptive challenges. New children's pastors. Never done this before. And now a new challenge with what we should do or how we should respond as a church to the coronavirus going around. Those are adaptive challenges where we've got to, we can't just deny it's not there, pretend it's not there. We've got to say, how do we respond? How can we respond? And I want us to look at a man that God called and as soon as he stepped into his role that God called him to do, he found himself having to deal with some adaptive challenges. Some challenges. If you've got a Bible at home, uh, uh, turn with me to uh, Joshua chapter 1. This passage opens up for Joshua. It opens up with a huge adaptive challenge. Uh, Joshua, if you don't know, it is, he's under Moses. Moses is his mentor. He's his go. He's his, man, he is tight. And this is how Joshua 1 opens up. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Forty years Joshua's been under the, uh, the guidance of Moses. And here's what he says. This is what God says to Joshua. Moses, your servant is dead. I'm like, God. That's not even easing into it. That's not, hey, Joshua, let's sit down, buddy. Have a, I've got a hard conversation. Uh, your mentor, you know, man, he struggled, but he's in a much better place. God shows up and said, hey, Moses, my servant, he's dead. He's dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I mean, get this. This is a huge adaptive challenge. Joshua, who's just been watching Moses do the work, serving under Moses, doing whatever Moses asked him to do, God comes into him and says, Moses is dead. Moses, the man that, that was the man to these people. I mean, these two million plus Israelites, Moses was the man. He, he was a hero to them. When, when their people had been enslaved for 400 years, who was it that God used to come in and take them out? Moses. And, and they knew that. They saw Moses do some incredible things. 
uh, spread that, that staff out over the water. It, it opened up. He saw him hit a rock, uh, water come out. I mean, they had saw Moses do some incredible things. And, and, and so the, the, these, uh, God shows up and said, hey, Joshua, I want you to take over Moses' job. Here's the thing. God doesn't even give Joshua any time to grieve. Hey, take a day or two. And I say that because church, we, I, I spent all week this week trying to decide how should we respond, praying, praying, asking God for leadership. We don't have time to bring together a council and decide how we should react. God's saying be the church. Be the church. And he doesn't give Joshua time to grieve. He, look, he says, Moses is dead. And he says, therefore, the time has come for you, Joshua, to leave these people across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Now, our normal reaction would be, hey, Moses is dead. Let's rethink the original plan that God gave us. Moses is dead. Let's reorganize. Come on. But God says, no, he's dead. There's nothing you can do about it. It's time for you to do what I've been preparing you to do for 40 years. In those two verses, God has given Joshua two very important principles that we must get inside of us. And the first one is this, honor and learn from the past, but refuse to live in it. Yeah, let's honor Moses. Let's honor him. Let's respect that. But we cannot live in, well, this is the way it was. No, we've got, when God says, hey, it's time to move forward. It's time. And I believe what's bar that God is saying, yeah, this is hit. But this has not changed my plans for you to take Meigs County, Ray County, Roan County, McMinn County. It doesn't change my plan. The plan is still the plan. And, and so some of you, you, you need to close the books. If you're, you need to close the books on, on, on some memories and pain of your past. And quit living there. Quit living in the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Well, I should have done this. Should have done this. What if I'd done this? Those things will keep you stuck. Now, listen, I'm not saying you just wipe that from your memory. Because honestly, I'm not sure that's possible. For you to just wipe those things from your memory. I'm not saying that there aren't some lessons we can learn. In fact, I, I believe some of our greatest lessons learned from mistakes and failures in our past. But we don't live there. We're not going to allow those things to define us or manipulate us any longer. There's a big difference, guys, between learning from the past and living there. People who learn from the past keep moving forward. They don't keep beating themselves up for their past failures and mistakes. They take what they've learned and they move on. People who dwell on the past, they never get over the past and it haunts them for the rest of their lives and they stay stuck where they're at. You need to quit remembering what God has already forgotten. Quit it. And there are also those who want to live in the good old days. Come on. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, I miss the good old days. I, I'll just tell you, I, I don't miss the good old days. I enjoy air conditioning. I enjoy driving a vehicle. I enjoy being able to call up and have food delivered or going out to get it. I do not miss the old good old days. But, but that's what the, uh, Moses dealt with. 
you know, the, the children of Israel said the same thing. They began to rem reminisce when they'd been in the desert. They, they began, hey, I remember, remember what we used to have to eat? These are the same people that took a two, what should have been a two-week journey and turned it into a 40-year journey because of their complaining, their griping, and their disobedience to God. When God says go, we don't have to, time to contemplate the past. We must go. When God showed up and told Joshua, my servant, your mentor, Moses, he's dead. Now go. You step up. You step up. Yes, we honor and learn from the past, but we don't live there. And I'll say this. You've heard me say this more than once. God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. And I will say this to Watts Bar as a church as a whole. God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. I'm convinced of that. The second thing we can learn from this passage is this. God's presence is the game changer. I don't want to do it. Before we uh, went live on Facebook, I had our team here gather and we prayed. Why? Because I know God's presence is the game changer. Without his presence, all we are... are we're just a social club. That's all we are. His presence is a game changer. God's message to Joshua that day, Moses, my servant is dead, but I'm not. I'm still alive. That's what his message was. Hey, yeah, he's dead, but Joshua, I'm not. The same God that led him, the same God that worked through him to do the miracles, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm the, the, the leader inside of him lives on. Now, Joshua, you go pursue the destiny I have for you. I mean, this had to be overwhelming for Joshua to go from being a protege to now being of char in charge of somewhere between two to three million people. I, it's overwhelming for me to be in charge of the people I'm in charge of here, much less two to three million people. Um, I can't even imagine how overwhelming this crisis must be to our president who's having to deal. I mean, it's been overwhelming for me, and I just have this community here to worry about. Can't imagine what, how overwhelming it must be to our president can't imagine how overwhelming it must be to those over the CDC. I can't imagine the pressure of everybody's eyes being on you and looking for you to screw up. I can't imagine it. And that's where Joshua is. He had to be asking himself, do I even have what it takes to do this? Who am I compared to Moses? Will these people even listen to me, much less follow me? That had to be going through his mind. And that's the inward pressure that Joshua was facing. Well, guess what? His outward pressure was pretty major too. Uh, his outward pressure, he had these enemies, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Amorites. And, and while those in, names mean nothing to you and I, you need to understand each one of those people groups wanted nothing more than the children of Israel dead. So he had the outside pressure. But God's showing up and said, Joshua, your capabilities don't matter. My presence is what matters. My power is what matters. You're not alone in this. I'm with you. I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. Now go. Because my presence is the game changer. 
God looks at Joshua. He said, I know you see the enemies. I know they look fierce. I know it looks bad. But I want you to take them on because in my presence, those enemies, Hittites, Perizzites, and all the ites, they don't stand a chance in my presence. Look at Joshua 1, 2 again. Verse 2. God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Here's what I want you to notice. God didn't say, go, I may give you this land. Go uh, conquer this land. Go prove yourself worthy of this land. He said, I'm giving you the land. It's yours. Go get it. And then look what he says in verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Who? Moses. Everything I promised Moses, I'm giving it to you. Here's what I know. There are promises that were given to my mom and dad, the founders of this body, about this church, about this community, and surrounding communities. There were promises that they never saw fulfilled, just like Moses never saw fulfilled. Joshua saw them fulfilled. In church, I tell you, they may have not seen them fulfilled, but I believe us as a body, this is what we were made for such a time as this. And I believe if we will be the church, if we will not cause division by getting online and bickering about what this and what that, but if we will find our common goal, Jesus, then he will use that for us to change not just this community, but the surrounding communities. Because the world is watching, seeing how the church is going to respond and react. And we don't need them to see us tearing each other apart. Chapter 1, I'm getting, I'm almost closing. Y'all won't get that on a live Sunday morning service. Chapter 1, God is telling, Mo, telling Joshua, hey, Moses is dead. It's time for you to step up, leave my people. 20 chapters later in verse 21. Check it out, verse 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. I didn't even think about this earlier, but now I'm reading this. It said, he had sworn to give it to their ancestors. What if they never took possession of it and settled there? God may have given it to them, but there was something they had to do, guys. And God has promised something for you. God has given you something, but there's something you've got to do. You've got to possess it. You've got to settle in there. And then he says this, verse 44. And the Lord gave them, I love this, rest on every side. Anybody need that? Just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors, none of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Get this. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he spoken came true. Everything. You may be wondering, Kelly, what's up with the title? 99 Problems. Well, there was a song that came out a few years back, uh, 99 Problems. Uh, I do not encourage you to Google the lyrics. But here's what I get from the gist. He says, 
If you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a girl ain't one. What does that have to do with what we're talking about today? This world, this church has got a lot of problems. 99, maybe 99 plus. But here's what I know. His faithfulness ain't one. His goodness ain't one. His reckless, unconditional love ain't one. I may have a lot of problems in my life. This world right now may have a lot of problems going on in it, but His grace ain't one of them. Yes, we are facing challenges that this nation has never faced. Yes, there are a lot of problems, but I'm going to tell you, His goodness, His faithfulness, His mercy, His grace ain't one of them. It's still flowing. And here's what I found to be true in my life. Out of those 99 problems that I may have, you know what my biggest problem is? Me. You know what your biggest problem is? You. And here's what I've learned, man. I'm my biggest critic. I'm my biggest downfall. I'm my biggest enemy. I'm the one that allows my past to hold me back. I'm the one that will allow fear to creep in and put me on hold while things are going on right now. I'm the one that will allow doubt to, to, conquer, to come in. I'm the one that I am my biggest enemy. But here's what I've had to learn to lean into. And I believe it's what we're going to have to learn to lean into as individuals and as a church, whatever crisis we face, whatever we may come against, is this. God's grace is greater. 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 Greater than what? They go, what, what do you mean? God's grace is greater than you. God's grace is greater than me. God's grace is greater than our addictions. God's grace is greater than our fear. God's grace is uh, greater than our past. God's grace is better than our setbacks, our failures, our addictions, our anger. God's grace is greater. So wherever you're at in all this chaos that is going on, lean into that. God's grace is greater than this. Than the COVID-19. God's grace is greater. I heard, saw a friend of ours post something. He says, will faith keep you from getting the coronavirus? He said, maybe, but I know it will keep you from being built up with all kinds of anxiety and fear. That's what his faith will do. It will help us to live. So I'm going to ask our team, and we're going to close things out. I'm going to pray, but team, come on up while I'm praying. We're going to close out with a worship song. And uh, guys, I hope you will share this. I hope you will at home. Dads, I encourage you, step up as a dad. Lead your family in a discussion about what we talked about today. Talk to your kids about, hey, yeah, this is, we got to take it serious. But kids, God is greater. His grace is greater. Man, share this uh, on Facebook. Share this with some people that need to hear it. God's grace is greater than your past, your failures then your addictions and your anger, his grace is greater. So let's pray and worship, and then we'll close you out uh, with a blessing before we close out this online today. God, I thank you that your grace is greater. I thank you that you are a God of miracles. God, that even in this time when it seems like chaos is, is rising, God, your peace can settle upon us. And Father, I pray, Lord, 
that during this time we would take every opportunity to go out and be the church. Be the church. Dear Lord, that we wouldn't spend our time criticizing others. There's enough negative going on right now. Let us speak life in this world. Let's speak life, whether it be in person, in a text, or on, on social media. Let us speak life. And God, I thank you for what you're doing. I believe in God that we're going to hear some great reports even from our online presence today. Because your presence is the game changer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.